and welcome to another edition of the Copcast podcast. We're um, coming to you from lockdown across a variety of different countries and continents, experiencing our own solitude in one way or another. So um, tonight I've got uh, I've got Dave Karen. Dave, how you doing? I'm fine. I, yes. I'm, 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 beginning, I'm beginning to crack, <laughs> if all things are known, as I said. Fuck's sake, Dave, it's only been three days. I know, no, well, it's, it's, I'm on day eight here. Um, oh, you're on as, day eight, right. As I said, as I said to Chief Prepod, I'm afraid to start drinking in case I cannot stop. So <laughs> I'm resisting that temptation, hence I'm here. Right, well, good. Well, uh, we've also got Neil Patterson in Berlin here. He has. He's not resisting. No, he's already started to drink. Whether he stops or not is the question, which is yet to be answered. That's it. That's it. I have to stop at some point because I have to work tomorrow morning, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, still here, still just about seeing. So uh, yeah, let's chat about this. Yeah, good. So what we're going to do this evening? We're gonna we're gonna have a, a bit of a review of. Um, and cast our minds back to the times long before, before even before football was invented. Before the internet? Yes, before even football was invented in well, 1982. Football was a physical contact even. sport as well. Yes, yes. So um, all the way back to, to, to um, April 1991, um, when Graeme Souness was appointed Liverpool manager. And I'm going to take a look at kind of what went Right, and probably the greater part of the conversation will be what went wrong, um, and, and kind of why it went wrong, and and discuss maybe what might have been. But I think Sunes is an interesting character, a, a, a legend in his playing days, and there's been controversy, you know, throughout the years, and and you know mistakes made, and some not forgiven, shall we say? So, you know, I think it's it's only fair. Dave to to start with with his playing career. Um, you know, we signed him from we signed him from Middlesbrough. We we brought him into a team that was was winning all around them and, and you were about you were about to see to see Sunes play because you're much older than, than Chief and I. <laughs> um, so Thanks you know you, 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 to, put you always, it, to put it pleasantly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I thought that was I thought Charming. that was gentlemanly enough. Um I'm so old, I'm confined. <laughs> yeah, indeed. So you know, Dave, you you always you always cite you always cite Sunes as, as as the greatest midfielder ever. You know, you 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 hail him even above Gerrard at times when we're speaking. And I'm... you know, fair enough. Okay, well, all, all times then. So you know what? You know, I've seen bits and pieces, and you can say he's a great player because you can flick onto YouTube and fuck's sake, I can make myself look like a great player on the YouTube montage but you know he stepped into that side into the midfield alongside Terry McDermott and you know how, how good was he? Um, in simple terms Dave I'll go into detail obviously but in simple terms today you just simply couldn't buy it uh, that's how good he was and you know th- this is a guy that probably the first thing you think of when you think as soon as is the big horrible tackles that he used to uh, used to make like he was. He never took a backward step. The man, I don't think in his life has taken a backward step, and I think that's that's basically where you need to begin for this guy. Um, Graham Sinus is not just a player; he's an attitude. But you know, he he was. He often said that going out in a game, it was it was a war that he was going into, and and uh, it it was it was a scrap basically. And he was absolutely magnificent at that 
aspect of the game at that time when it was a real big part of the game. But what he also possessed, and, and you know, it sometimes goes by the, way, the wayside, especially with the young ones today, is just how magnificent a footballer he actually was. Um, the range of passing, the eye for goal, um, the durability, I think it's a wonderful word to use for him. Um, you know, this boy could ping a ball around. You know, you talk about Stevie Gerrard pinging balls. Sinus was doing that long before Gerrard was, was ever thought of, you know what I mean? And, and look, I love Stevie G. I really do. I defend him to the better end. But if I had to pick only one of the two, I would pick Graham Sinus. Now, he wouldn't survive in today's world for probably 30 seconds on a football field um, because part of the thing was, and, and you know, it's, it's, it's almost like we saw recently to give you, you know, a more sort of, Closer to the time, we saw Andy Robertson say in a, in a game, you know, don't worry, I'd get him. <laughs> and, that, and that was Sunus. You know, it, it was a throw, and also the Scottish connection there, it, it, it was very reminiscent of, of, of what I am reminded of of Sunus. You know, he welcomed everybody to the game. Everybody who pa- crossed his path in midfield got a welcome to the game. But that was the game then. You know, I know in today's world, kids go, oh my God, that's terrible. That's almost assaulted. But well, it actually was assault. Um, we're talking broken legs, broken jaws. Um, but that was how combative football was at that time. But as I say, you can't get away from the silky skills that he possessed. And the way that he that he carried himself, the attitude that I talk about. You know, this man doesn't understand the word lose. It's not a concept that he'll ever want to, to, to enter his head. He has the ultimate, ultimate self-belief in himself. And I'll say Stephen Gerrard has the same, but nothing, nothing like 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 Graham Souness. You know, he can in his older days today, he can you know he can smile and he can say, oh, well, maybe I, maybe maybe I was wrong there, but he'll never actually say I was wrong. You know, maybe I was wrong because he backs himself a hundred percent, and that was the player. That player went on the field, and you knew what you had going onto the field. When we didn't have Souness in games, I used to worry because um, and you know if you got past him. You had fucking Laro, who doesn't get any shit, but Mark Lawrenson was fucking near as tough as fucking uh, Sunus was. You know, we we had a we had a brave lot of hard men in the Liverpool sides over the years, and you know, uh, who who were very very good at uh, you know welcome to the game. And beside him, he had then he had the silky skills of Hansen, but Sunus had the silky skills and that. I say to to watch his range of passing, to watch his vision, to watch his brain. At work, and this was a defensive midfielder, not even an attacking midfielder, Dave. You know what I mean? Uh, and he chipped in. All his goals tended to be, you know, an eye on the spectacular from range, and and you know, excellently struck. He could strike a football, oh, beautifully. I I don't make any bones about it. He is the finest midfield player that I have ever seen wear a Liverpool shirt. Uh, and I know that there's there's a lot of bad press out there, but and stuff like this just doesn't get out just how good he was. Um, for me, the finest Liverpool player ever. And I can't see anything. You know, you talk about, oh, well, this current group is the best we've ever had in legends. You know, Sunis you know, won the league five times. He's what, three European Cups with us. And, you know, that is what our players of today have to match, in my opinion to be considered great legends of the, of this club because these are the guys that went before. These are the guys that fought for the club and, and won us those titles. And, and regardless of what you think of him and his past behaviour and mistakes that he's made, this was one of our finest ever, ever Liverpool players. Yeah, I think, you know, 
he's certainly still still recognised as that. And Chase, you know, you probably know him more from from the managerial perspective, and certainly, you know, as a as a pundit. But do you have an, like an overriding idea in your head of the sort of player Sunes was? Or do you have any kind of any kind of vague memory of of the player that he was? I'm not quite old enough to to sort of remember his playing days from from watching them live, but obviously growing up in in the late eighties, well, in the eighties and sort of coming of football age in in the late eighties, you saw a lot of videos, you know, past successes, and yeah, I mean, what Dave says basically the the ultimate central midfielder, the general, if there was a if there was a you know term coined a football and term coined for Sunez, it probably would be the general. He he led from from that position and dictated the game. Um, of course, people nowadays they only remember. Everyone always remembers what they want to remember, and you know, like people remember John McEnroe. All he ever did was was shout at uh, umpires, and people remember Sunez. Oh, you know, he was just a hard man. Of course he wasn't. That's that's a microcosm. That's a that's a caricature of of the athlete and and of the player. Whichever one of those you're talking about, there was a lot more to both. So you know, Dave's absolutely right. At that time, being physical was a massive, massive part of the game, and you could not succeed in the position that Tunes played without being incredibly tough. And you certainly couldn't deliver the success that he delivered from that position without being as hard as he was and you know we, we we were lucky to have somebody like that but and he did it against the hardest guys in Europe as well not just in England Neil he he he, he shone he absolutely shone in Europe Bucharest and against you know against you know, behind the iron curtain so on you know um against Roma in the final you know on any any occasion you want to you want to bring up he was very much a player of that era, but he was perfect for that era. And you can't, you can't take footballers out of context. You know, there's no point in trying to drop Graham Sooners in the modern game. How can you do that? It's ridiculous. But, but, but Neil, the skill set that he presented, the football skill set, would oh, would allow him to perform perfectly in today's world. If you can, if you can take the physicality down. Three steps, you know, you understand. If you get a tune at all and, and sort of press a button and kind of everything would automatically adjust slightly and whatever, then then fair enough. But I know what you're getting at as well is football and brain and is 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 he's not just it's not just physicality and you know his football and brain and his, his passing range and his tactical awareness and so on would 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 not be behind at all. But obviously, you know, you got to look at things like. You know the tackling and the speed and so on, which which you just can't equate over the years. You know between the between the the, the, the two um, the two time zones, but you know people regard him. I mean Gerard, you, you you take Gerard for example. Obviously he's mentioned in the same breath. He's another fabulous fabulous midfielder and a central midfielder. That even though he did his best work off the right, which is often forgotten. Um, with a, if you hadn't had the Sunez template, Gerard wouldn't have been such a star for me. Um, and yes, he had his own skill and he had his own everything about Gerard was Gerard's own. 
But soon as it had put the idea of a, of a superstar central midfielder very much in the hearts and minds and a captain as well from that position, very much in the hearts and minds of, of Liverpool fans, of a generation of Liverpool fans. And Gerard was, was their kids version of that, although different, very much in the, in, in that style of a mold, in, in that, you know, um, iconic talismanic central midfield figure. Who's gonna lead? You know, lead from the front, and uh, and not take a step back, and played the game in a similar kind of way with a similar kind of a swagger. Um, and he wasn't averse to to going in over the top and and getting a red card either, Stevie. So I mean, I think that's you know that's a high high compliment as well. That the pair of them, you know, soon as paved, paved the way for Gerard and and as Dave Karen says, many of the slightly um, of the generation above. Feel that um, Sunez is is the original and the best centre midfielder that ever played for Liverpool. Yeah, it's it's commonly thought, but I think it's one of those things now that is it's kind of moved past the generation, um, and it, it's become more folklore now than than anything else, um, as opposed to kind of eyewitness accounts and things like that. So you're right; sometimes players are, are looked at. Dave, I, think, I think history will be a lot kinder to Stevie Gerrard, given the fact that so, his whole career is captured on film, whereas Sunus wasn't. And, you know, if you go back and try and compare them in 20, 30 years, you're going to be able to see everything of Gerrard and, and his legacy will be, end up being much, much stronger on the back of that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you could say the same about gigs and best, like, couldn't you? I mean... Well, absolutely. Unfortunately, the likes of if you're going back to the '60s, Neil, you know, there's bits and pieces of best appearing, you know, up on YouTube occasionally now, new bits and pieces from the '60s, but it doesn't, you know, you can't put in context how bad the pitches were. You know, we we covered this recently. You know how bad the pitches were, the boots, everything about the about the game was different, and you know, bog. There weren't pitches; there were bogs, and it's really hard to contextualize it. And with each passing decade, it becomes harder to contextualise that. So, to certainly, I mean, when we were doing the, when I was doing a bit of the research for this, I was mostly concentrating sort of on the managerial years. But even then, I mean, that's early nineties. You're looking back, and Anfield, there are certain plenty of games there where, where the early nineties was 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 the earthquake where where, where yeah, football then, changed. You can still see the pitches are muddy. You know the pitch is muddy. They're they're cut up. They're not undersoil. Well, undersoil didn't come in. I don't think until about ninety seven, ninety eight. It's not. It's not really until the early two thousands that you see the standard of pitch really increase. Like if you even if you even look at the pitch, you know, during those those two, four, three Newcastle games yeah. in yeah. the mid nineties, there there's there's you know there's there's patches grassless patches all over the pitch particularly down the middle it's bobbly it's uneven you know it's dry it's not watered didn't have sprinkler systems and that sort of stuff so no undersoil at all no so you know even until then probably again just coinciding with probably the emergence of gerard um that you saw that that sort of that sort of increased quality um, but we do digress. Um, so soon as left the, the bobbly Anfield pitch, and he so left left to go and um, play his trade in Italy with Sampdoria, um, and that will become an important part 
of his journey um, moving moving to Liverpool. But Rangers signed him um, April 1986, and he stepped in there as player manager. And in five years, he won four league titles, four four Scottish League cups, um, and that broke a record of eight seasons without a league title for Rangers. And at that time, Chief, you know, he looked on paper after Doug Leach left, and it was kind of April time, I think, that that he signed for Liverpool as manager. And it almost looked perfect. Um, He'd gone there. He'd done the business with Rangers. He bought really well. Um, they'd started to dominate and he'd wrestled that dominance away from, from Celtic and Aberdeen. And, you know, these were, these were teams that were big players. You know, this wasn't the Scottish League as it was today. This was Aberdeen that were winning, you know, European Cup winners cups under Alex Ferguson and, and things like that. So, you know, that he came with all the credentials that you would think that you would need to take that job on. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, you've got to you you you've got to sort of take it all in context as well. I mean, as we mentioned, he was a fantastic player for us, one of our most iconic players, and certainly at the time regarded as absolutely one of our best ever players. Certainly one of our most successful players. He went on, as you mentioned, to play at Sampdoria in Italy, um, and as we talked about the other night on our sort of <laughs> mad pod. Um, Italy was was very much the top league in the world at the time. So I mean, an English player going abroad or English Scottish player player playing in the English first division going abroad at that time was was very rare indeed. And to be going to Serie A at a at a team that ended up um, competing for the top honours, in fact, the top honours in Europe less than a, less than what seven seasons later. Shows the level that he was regarded as. Shows shows how highly he was rated in Europe. So anyway, when he joins us after after the success at Rangers, you know he looks like uh, an ideal candidate. Not only has he had massive success um, at Rangers as a player manager, um, he's also a former Liverpool great. Um, that you know ties in with the whole ethos the club had had of essentially promoting their own and, and working with their own and promoting from within. And while soon as it gone out for a while, you know, very much Liverpool was 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 the club he had always been associated with and was the, the number one part of, you know, the main part of his career, certainly the most successful part of his career as a player. Um, you know, and also not not to forget that Kenny Dalglish had had, had great success at Liverpool uh, after starting as a player-manager um, in 19, the 1986 season, winning the double there. Soon as it pretty much done exactly the same, emulated him at, at Rangers. And, you know, looking back at it now, soon as it sort of, you know, broke it down a few barriers up there. He was the first player to sign a, a Catholic, really, wasn't he, for Rangers? He, he signed Mo Johnson. They were about to sign, he was about to sign for Celtic. And, and then it was that big, big, um, Kind of moment, wasn't it, where he where he turned up suddenly at the Rangers press conference and, and was signing for Rangers, um, and that was a big deal that made headlines. and And of course, he, as you mentioned, Dave, he, he won the consecutive titles for for Rangers and and established 
the beginning of a period of dominance that Rangers hadn't enjoyed for, for a decade or more before, before that. Um, in hindsight, he, you know, he, he sort of hit Rangers at a good time because, as you mentioned, Celtic weren't in a particularly good way and, and Aberdeen had done very well under Ferguson, but Ferguson had moved south of the border by that stage. Um, so, you know, circum, you know, you look back on it, circumstances potentially, um, converged for, for Sunez to, you know, opened up a little bit for Sunez to do well at Rangers. Having said that, you know, he had to, he had to make them into, into winners and, and that's what he did. Um, you know, that was his, we, we alluded to pre-pod, he signed a lot of English players at that point. Um, you know, you, you had your Chris Wood, uh, goalkeeper, uh, future England goalkeeper. Um, you had, you had, uh, obviously Mo Johnson, we mentioned was, was the big Scottish signing, um, the coup from Celtic. But, you know, you had plenty of, uh, plenty of English players there and he had, he had shown that he, you know, he had what it, he had what it took or he had what it takes to go in and, um, and, you know, turn a, an underperformance side into, um, into the side that should have been and, and back into winners. So sign it for us. You know, I remember even only being 11 or, or 12 at the time thinking, you know, it was a catastrophe, catastrophe for me when, when Doug Lease left, I think for everyone. And, um, you know, to see someone like Shunes come in was, was a, was pretty reassuring. You know, you, you, you felt surely this was the right move. Um, Unfortunately, it didn't, it didn't prove to be so, but it, the omens were all good. I think it's fair to say. I mean, I, I don't think anyone was, was scratching their head or, 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 or miffed at that appointment, to be honest. No, I wouldn't think so. And Dave, for you, this must have been, this must have been the dream for you. Your all time favorite midfielder comes back after succeeding and dragging Rangers to the top of the Scottish game again. And he signs for Liverpool as manager. And it must have put all of that anxiety and uncertainty um, to the back of your mind. Just give, just give you total confidence that, that things would continue on as the way they were. Absolutely. You know, like, don't, I grew up from Shankly to Paisley to, to, to Ronnie Moran. And there was, there, was this, there was this continuity the whole way through. And soon as felt like continuity. And as you say... Grimson has managed to do a wonderful thing. Well, not a wonderful thing for me, but he managed to make me do something. I've, I've, well, Stephen Gerrard's done as well. Me, I, I watch Rangers. I don't, you know, my particular disdain for the uh, the whole old firm thing. But I watch Rangers under him, and I watch Rangers under Gerrard. I'm ashamed to say, but because they're Liverpool legends more than anything else. But in hindsight, Dave, I was I was made up. I, I just thought this is this is a continuation. This we're we're just going from strength to strength. But in hindsight, sitting here today in 2020, it wasn't. It wasn't continuity because the chain had already been broken. Um, soon as his time in Italy taught him a different way. And, and one thing about him, and, and he, he, very much like Jurgen Klopp, um, you know, he's his own man, very much his own man. And he does what he believes and there's no, there's nothing left or right of it. It is what he believes and he'll follow it through. And well, we know how, how how bad it can get when he follows it through. Um, but you know, I, I I was fortunate when I was doing the podcast a few years back to do a pod with two players that played for him, Barry Venison and, and Nicky Tanner. 
and you know, I'm, I was a curious pre-pod and after-pod, you know, to talk about Sunus with them and you know what he was like as the manager and given my interest in him uh, as, a, as a human being, I'm a, one of my favourite players. And they just said to me, Dave, you know, it's 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 like having a tiger in the room. That was the way they put and, and they thought, yeah, that's it, the tiger in the room. And you just know this man is the dominant the dominant um, presence in the room and everything that he says goes. And when he ar- arrived at Liverpool, I've heard him speak many times about him, it's even in his book, about, you know, he was part of the old culture of the, you know, the, the 10 cases of beer on the, on, on the bottom of the bus and, you know, the passy suppers and fish suppers and away home. And when he went to Italy, he saw a different way of training and he saw, you know, a new way for football, you know, the way that football was developing into this total professionalism. Where he saw the future. Yeah, absolutely. He saw the future. So when he came back again, he was ba- he was back 38 years old, Dave. You know, we talk about Jurgen Klopp being a young manager. <laughs> 38 years old, Graham Souness was when he took over Liverpool. And that's another thing that, that people don't think about very often. What's more, he was back in with, with a lot of the players who he had... He had played with in his time there, who he had indulged those cases of beer and fish suppers with as a player. And then all of a sudden he comes back from a breakaway from the club with a new idea coming forward, which he couldn't eventually sell to those players. What more? He was having to buy in in a new market. And maybe you had an in rush on the fourth year of a contract or a third year of a contract with a couple of years to run on X amount of money. But football had fucking changed and and you didn't get contracts back then unless your contract was up sort of thing you know you didn't oh there's two years left in this contract we better do there was no bosmans or anything like that not none of that existed so your contract was your contract so you know ultimately if rush is sitting on uh one thousand a week and you bring in dean saunders on ten thousand a week there's nothing you can do to help rush so uh, uh he found himself in this an unenviable situation where play, players who were his mates his his teammates who now he was having to manage um in this new world was changing and he could see those changes in that world and was trying to adapt Liverpool to that and look we're, I, I know you're going to talk about the players that he let go uh, and 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 rightly so but it was because he couldn't work with them in this new era of professionalism or he felt that he couldn't work with it, and he felt that he needed to freshen things up. This was coupled with, obviously, the rise of the Premier League, the rise of Manchester United, hitting all the marketing um, boxes and ticking them all perfectly, whereas we were still all about what we were doing on the field, and we weren't really thinking about the marketing because you know, what we had was a, mo- a bit like United are today. They're continuing to do what they do. We've moved on with this, with this latest incarnation of football. And, and they're still they're still doing the same thing round and round, going, why is this not working? And soon as sort of saw the change coming and made the change, but Liverpool were not prepared financially for the changes, I think, that, that he was trying to implement at that time. What's more, they were still quite alien um, to, to, to the football-watching public, never mind the game of football as well. And, you know, in, in hindsight, it ended very, very badly for him. But... He's a man of, who believes in his own convictions, and he will follow them through to the bitter end. Unfortunately, it was to our cost. He, he, he followed them through to the bitter end. But I don't believe one moment, I don't believe, and you'll never make me believe, that he didn't have the best thoughts and best intentions for Liverpool Football Club in doing it. He thought he was moving us to the future. The problem was Liverpool Football Club, sadly, were not ready for the future that he envisaged. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say so. And Chase, it, it, 
you know, there's there's a slight parallel if you want to say that he came and tried and failed to do what Wenger tried and succeeded to do. Yeah, yeah, maybe in a way, in a way, in a way. I think that timing, timing is everything in life, and he was a he was a little bit ahead of his time because it wasn't just that it was alien to Liverpool at that time; it was alien to English football. Um, you got to remember that this that um, Sunez was out of a job was out of a job. At Liverpool by the beginning of the ninety three ninety four season, um, so it's the second year of the Premier League that I think he only gets the one year, doesn't he, uh, in the Premier League, or maybe he gets two. I'm not sure whether it's ninety one, ninety two, or ninety two, ninety three is the is the first year, but um, it's very much at the beginning, and none of the Premier League or none of the first division is is ready for that yet. Wenger isn't at Arsenal. Wenger doesn't come to Arsenal till was it ninety four, ninety five or ninety five, ninety six. So it, it's still another few years down the line. And um Liverpool don't really get that change until Houdier comes in ninety eight. Um so you know he's quite a long way ahead of his time to be fair to him. And particularly coming into a culture like Liverpool which had been very set in its ways, and 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 not just set in. Neil, Neil it's it's it's, wor- it's worth mentioning. Sorry to interrupt you, but it is worth mentioning that after that, who do we go to? We went to Roy Evans, and it was it was back to the boot room again. Oh, even though we'd even though we'd seen Sunas trying to drag us to the future, Roy we Evans, went backwards again. Roy Evans had actually been been brought in. Roy Evans was brought in ninety two, ninety three as a, as assistant manager. So he's almost getting prepared because it doesn't go well for Sunas from the very very beginning. You know, it really doesn't. He, apart from the FA Cup win, that's about his only highlight. Um, yeah, it's it's if you if we want to just start it, you know, where I think it kind of all went wrong, Chief, and like this, this is my first great heartbreak as a Liverpool fan. Um, one of the first things he did when he came in, was he sold Peter Beardsley, yeah. And there was no Peter reason Beardsley. for that. He and wasn't he one of the ones. He wasn't one of the ones that he played under. I never understood that one, Dave. And he sold Peter Beardsley to Everton for a million pounds. I'll tell you something. If he sold him to Everton for a million, he obviously did not want to work with him at all. Put it like that. It was yeah. probably a personality clash, or it was something that Beardsley did, or you know, there was no way they were going to work together. And, you know, one thing that D- Dave Caron highlighted here is that Graham Sunez is very much his own man. But another thing he highlighted was he's the dominant force in the room. And that means that when he comes up against somebody who doesn't want to lie down, that person has to go. Remind you of Fergie, wouldn't it? Absolutely. And, and that has been a feature of his career the whole way through. You, when the egos clash, one of them has to go. Either it's the manager or it's the player. And with Graham Sunez, that's happened throughout his career at every club he's been at. He's and, and let's not forget as well, Neil, a little a little discussed fact, very, very rarely discussed. Graham Sunez was willing to go to Manchester United to replace Ferguson during his time, whenever the Rangers owner at, of the time 
bought a half stake of Manchester United. It was lined up that Sunus was going to go and replace Ferguson because let's remember Ferguson struggled for a long time before he was successful at, at United. 60. And Sunus, yep. And so, I think it was after four seasons that Sunus was lined up to go to Old Trafford. To t- and, and again, this is a highlight of the, the being his own man. He was prepared to go and do that and take it. Just like he took the flak from O. Johnson, he was prepared to go and take a flak for, for, for Manchester United. Uh, a Liverpool legend going to, man- to, to manage Manchester United. It speaks volumes of the man. Well, it does and it doesn't. I mean, it depends what side of the fence you're on, doesn't it? Um, but what it does show is, is that he had, you know... For, he had guts, put it like that. He wasn't he wasn't prepared to be told what he could and couldn't do, and he wasn't worried about um, con- conventions, shall we say, in football or or perhaps in in life. Who knows? He, he had kind of that rock star attitude, and he still has it. And you know, in a way, that's what makes him nowadays. To fast forward to the to to, to the present day, that that's what makes him one of the best pundits on TV. Because he actually, because he has opinions, and you know, he, he doesn't just go along with what what you're meant to say. He doesn't just hype up the particular line. Well, was it was it the kid Moisey Keane recently that he, he decimated and got? And I mean, he took so much abuse over that. And let's face it, he was right by the looks of things. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. But he's he's coming from a position of authority. Because not only has he been one of the best players in the game, he's also managed at the highest level. He's, he's pretty much done everything there is to do in the game. And he's been part of it for, what, 40 years, maybe more now at this stage. So, you know, everybody respects what he has to say. And he's one of the few pundits that you can rely on to actually talk about the game and, and kind of analyse it. But at the same time, you can imagine that he would have been a nightmare, really, as a manager. Yeah, you'd think that you think he must have been very difficult to work with. And and this is a team that this is a team that finished second the year before. Um, and yep, he came in a team and, that won the league the year before that. Hang on, guys. Yeah. Whoa, stop, 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 stop. Do you think Jurgen Klopp, if you weren't singing off his hymn sheet, would be an easy man to work for? Because I think he'd be a, I think he'd be a, a worse nightmare to work for. I don't because really you, you either buy into his 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 notions or you don't. Goodbye. Yeah, I think I, I think with Klopp though it is he he invites you to buy in as opposed to demands you to buy in. Yeah. As soon as did and if you invite it, someone to buy it, in and you get hard. yeah and you rely you rely then on other people buying into it and then bringing the group along and that's kind of what it's about with Klopp whereas. Sunez says there's a list of demands and a list of expectations, and if you do not meet all of them, there's no compromise. You're out the door. And you he, saw this. You Sunez. saw this. Sorry, Chief. Sorry to interrupt you. I mean, you, but yeah, you can imagine he's very much that that disciplinarian. It's my way or the highway. Like, and there there's no in between. Yeah, it's black or it's white with him, and I think that's borne out in in the transfer business in in his first summer. So Beardsley goes. To Everton for a million pounds. Steve Staunton goes, and I don't know. Steve Staunton's well to City. Sorry, McMahon goes as well to City. Well, the, well, Staunton goes after after Beardsley. Um, and say what you like about Steve Staunton. Steve Staunton played in three World Cups. Steve Staunton has a hundred caps. Steve Staunton. Staunton played in that Villa team that nearly won the league. You he know, he's twenty-two. Twenty-two. Yeah. Twenty-two, and the ironic thing is, we end up buying him back after yeah. Sunes leaves. A couple of seasons later, yeah. Yeah, um, Gary Gillespie goes to Celtic. 
Um, and then that goes as well to Everton. Who's that? Ablett. So, the, and then this is the thing. Then you get to December, and McMahon goes to City. So you can probably imagine that McMahon. He's tried it. He's tried to make it work, and he's tried to make it work, and he's just got fed well, up. Dare say, no. Steve McMahon would be um, pretty much like-minded, the same type of a guy. He played a very similar way to Sunus, and I would imagine the mindsets are very much the same. Yeah. So the, 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 let's say the environment for conflict between those two would be very large, I would say. Yes, I'd say they're two very similar personalities, and there would no, be no doubt that they would clash. I'm only I'm assuming that Tunes probably wanted to keep him because he's fucking Steve McMahon. But ultimately he went. And then, you know, shortly afterwards, Gary Ablett then goes to Everton as well. And that is that's half that's half a team. It's you half, know? It's all it's all defenders. It's your entire back I mean and that is the that is what lets that's what lets um Tunes's team down from then on. They've got no spine. And yeah. they concede ridiculous goals. But what it also does is it removes your greatest creative spark from that team in Beardsley. And don't forget, Beardsley went to Everton. And then Beardsley went to Newcastle and made Andy Cole's career. Yep. You know, Beardsley and was still New, playing... Newcastle in the second division at the time, or yeah. the, the first division. Yeah. Beardsley's still playing at the peak of his powers six, seven, eight years after he leaves Liverpool. Yep. But I mean, who knows? It must have been a personality clash, and given what's come out about Beardsley since being a bully and 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 perhaps more, then you know maybe they maybe they just maybe he was just someone that wasn't ever going to get on with with Sunez. Um, who can, knows? Can I throw another spanner into your works here? Don't forget the season before the the, the season before um, Sunez took over was also Jockey Hansen's last season. And it's almost like, imagine us losing Virgil van Dijk and never really replacing no, him. Sells. He actually sells Hansen, though. Hansen's in the squad when he... When okay, he, so it's, it's, no, it's, he it's, doesn't sell Hansen. Hansen, Hansen must retires. retire. He, he must Hansen retire. retires. He retires the match of the day, exactly. I don't remember Hansen playing for it's, anybody else after us. No, it's but, last but season. That, 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 he's taken over a massive hole already in the defence because, let's be fair, let's be honest, those of us who remember... Alan Hansen was a mainstay of, you know, a very much, very much a figure like Virgil van Dijk for our, maybe our younger listeners. He was that colossus at the back for us. percent, but he's, he has, he has been coming to the end of his career for a while. And, and, but, but it's and, a and, massive and, hole in the dressing room as well, because he was a born leader. Yeah, but okay. So you're absolutely right. I, I totally understand and I totally agree with you. Hansen was, was a linchpin. For seasons, um, for almost a decade, and that was that's a massive hole. But that's like you know that's like um, coming in and Van Dyke is retired, and then you come in and you sell Matip and you sell you know you sell Gomez and you sell uh, then you sell Fabinho. Yeah. You know, it's a bit. It's a bit like getting a flat. It's a bit like getting a flat tire, and instead of changing it, you rip the other three wheels off the car. Exactly. What are you doing? Like, I remember thinking that as an eleven-year-old, like, going, "How can you be selling all these great players? What are you doing?" Yeah, and it was mad. So to replace these players, we had the two guys from Derby. So Mark Wright came in, who was an England international. Um, and to be fair, he becomes somewhat in, in, in a in a barren era. He becomes somewhat of a of of of, of you know 
He was great and, for us. Oh, a yeah. De- a of, decent he, player, yeah. He does. He, he, you know, he becomes somewhat of a, you know, I don't want to say a cult hero because I think he's more than that. He's obviously not quite a legend either. You know what I mean? But he, he does he does gain status in, in a barren era for us, like. Yeah, agreed. Um, he br- he brings Mark Walters down from Rangers. I'm always dubious of of managers bringing players with them when they go places. It never really worked for Walters. Sunez was guilty of that throughout his career. Yeah, it never really worked for Walters. Thomas came in from Arsenal to replace McMahon because he scored that goal. Yeah, we only had um, so it proved he was never any good for us. Yeah, well it. it <laughs> We'll, we'll come to that, I guess. Um, and then one player, actually, one player, one of my one of my favourite ever Liverpool players he signed. So this is the one thing Sunez did I was pretty happy about. He signed Rob Jones. Um, and Rob Jones, I loved Rob Jones. Rob Jones was a brilliant fullback, An absolutely brilliant fullback. He signed him from uh, Crew, didn't he? From Crew, yeah. We signed so many players from Crew. It's um, one of those what could have been, Dave. I always wonder, Rob Jones, what could have been. Yeah, Rob Jones is a fantastic right what, back. He was, whatever happened to Mike Marsh? Mike Marsh, he, probably, he sold him too. He was class. He For sold him to West Ham. Um, yeah, he waited a couple of years to sell him though. Um, Rob Jones was a brilliant right back. Rob Jones could have been England's right back for 10 years had it not been for the injuries that he got. He was technically brilliant. He was a great defender. I remember he got his, his debut away at Old Trafford um, as a teenager and absolutely marked gigs out of the game. And that was when Giggs was being hailed as the next George Best. Um, and what a great, great footballer he was. But you know, I was watching the back. I forgot Giggs was around from so from so early. Like, I mean, yeah, I, he was he was my kid when he broke through. Now. Giggs has been around your whole fucking life, mate. Well, I picture Giggs first season as '94, but it obviously wasn't. It was much earlier. Yeah, it was it was it was way way earlier. And yeah. but the thing is though, you, you're bringing you're bringing in as good as Rob Jones was. He was he was a 19 year old kid then to, to play right back in a team that had finished second the year before. Um, and it it doesn't really go great the first season for Liverpool. They they start okay, they fall away. Um, and this is. I mean, they they go bad. I mean. They, the first season, what he takes over in, in April of 91. So, I mean, his first full season in 91, 92. And at Christmas, we're 19th. Yeah, it's really bad. It's really, really bad. We we, we rallied to the end of the season. Yeah, we finished sixth. To finish sixth. But, you know, the stark contrast there is, um, it's a, it's a, bear in mind, it's a 22-team league. And we won three away games that season. That's that's horseshit. I mean, that's rank. I mean, you're talking, and that that's a Liverpool team that's used to winning the league, and that's 19th at Christmas. Yeah, I mean, that is pure faith that we stuck with him. Yeah, it's three away wins, and we only scored 13 away goals, and it's it's the away form is is wretched. Um, our home form's not. You know, massively off Leeds, who win the league. It's four points off Leeds. You know, when you lose, we only lose three games at home, but we, we just can't, we can't buy a win away from home. And we do okay in, we do okay in Europe. Um, we get knocked out ironically by, by Genoa, who are Sampdoria's city rivals. And 
we get to the FA Cup, and, and by this time, Sudes has, has had his heart attack, and he's had his bypass, and Ronnie Moran's in the hot seat. And Ipswich knock us out. Isn't that the cup? No, we win the, we, we, we we win the FA Cup. Must have been the League Cup. It was the League Cup. The League. Um, yeah, and... Dave, Dave, do you remember? Do you remember the the the, the heart attack scenario? Um, because it's it's vague in my memory. It, 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 it's quite vague in mine. So I do remember it happening, Dave. Um, and he was very young for it. You know what I mean? He was he was extremely young for it. But when I suppose the the, the pressures that he was under at that time probably didn't help him uh, one bit. Um, but look. He's, I think he's had two. He's had open heart surgery twice since I've had one in the last couple of years as well. So obviously, there, there's something. There's there's an ongoing issue there. Um, Rage twice for him. Um, but I had blood pressure. I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well. Yeah. Fairly good shout that. I, I I'm no medical expert. Sorry. So I'm not. Well, I'm not going to hypothesize here. Um, I, I remember it, Dave. But it's that long ago, and it, you know when it happened at. When it happened, it happened. You know, there's not there's not an awful awful lot you can do about. We had it with Julier as well. You know, during during the time um, with, with Jed Julier, and the and these things happen in football, and, and you just have to get on with them. Um, unless coronavirus, where you fucking shut everything down. Um, but heart attacks, they're fine. They can they can continue on. But it was a yeah. Where one of them were, you know, it was a thing. It was on the news. It was reported. It was, you know, open heart surgery. I think he had a triple heart bypass. I think that's where the the first time that phrase ever entered my vernacular vocabulary. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I think so. I'm pretty sure that's what he had. But it was one of them where it was in the news. He had it. He wasn't on the touchline for a couple of weeks, and then he was back. And it was like, oh yeah, he's back. You know. Yeah, it was a strange one. I remember. I remember one of one of my earliest, most vivid football memories was um, was the semi final um, against Portsmouth, and I don't know whether you remember Darren Anderton scored for Portsmouth, and they were a, they were a, at the time a second division team, which is equivalent to the Championship now. And in the last minute, um, we get a free kick on the edge of the box and. Barnes curls it and it hits the underside of the bar and bounces down and I think Ronnie Whelan knocks it in um, and we go to a replay and we go through um, and again we play Sunderland in the final who I don't think are a top flight team then either I think they're a fir- no, first division team also yeah. so it, you know the draw is kind to us it's a bit of a city draw there you know um, it's a bit of a man city and that's not such a big deal. That's why it's a bit of a damn squib when we win it. Then we do we win it two one or two nil? We win it. We win it two nil, and we make hard work of it. And we score early and late, do we? I think we scored two in the second half. Michael Thomas scores a wonderful, wonderful goal. Um, and he'd signed there six months, and obviously, you know, everybody was a bit weird about it. I know I was because of the, you know, the that goal. That goal, beatness in the league, the bastard. Yeah, uh, but he scores a wonderful volley, and then Rush scores a, a great goal created by by Saunders, I think. Um, but it's not a great performance. But one of the one of the real bright sparks from it was the emergence of 
McManaman. And Steve McManaman. And Steve McManaman was, was fabulous in that game. And he also this, gave Fowler his first contract. Yeah, absolutely. And this is what I was going to come on to, Dave. The one, the one legacy that he does leave, the one positive legacy, is he, he did blood some great young players um, and give them the opportunity to come in. He, he really did, but it's almost like, and, and actually when you look back at that 91-92 side, and I've watched through the review of the season, I, watched, I think I watched the 92-93 as well. A lot of young players, a lot of young players in there. Rob Jones, you mentioned, Mike Marsh, I mentioned, McManaman is in there. He's playing as a nine, McManaman, a lot of the time in that, uh, in that era, um, right up front as a replacement for Rush in a few games as well. Um, and you just, you almost feel like you mentioned there he sells Mike Marsh. You always, always feel like he, he's, he could have kept, if he, if he, we maybe kept all those young players together. It could have been it could have been something a bit more special there. Who knows? Um, but yeah, it, it, it's one of those all time. Um, I mean, what do you think it is? He, he just tried to do too much too quickly, or he was just too far ahead of his time, or he took on too much, or you know, his his ego, or a combination of factors. I mean, but it just never ever really worked. I mean, I think I think a big part of it was selling selling the spine without. Being able to well, a, a slight, a slight defence. To be honest with you, you know, you cite Stone, who was 22, but he's the rarity of them all. The majority of what he moved on were pushing 30 or beyond 30. And you know, in today's game, you go, well, that's prudent. Back then, it was a win inside. You know, and it was too much at one but time. He doesn't, he doesn't replace them with with any yeah, with the same quality. But that's yeah, the, and this that, is I think, it, guys, and this is what know. I go back to the club, Dave. That the club wasn't prepared for the next move in football, the next level of of payment to star, uh, salaries to player, the next level of transfer fees. Where United had their their commercial side like a well-oiled machine, we were still saying, well, well we're, we're winning football I, matches and that's, that's all that matters. I wouldn't necessarily buy into that, Dave, at this point, because, you know, when we signed Saunders, it's a British record fee. Um, three mil. It, yeah, it, it's about three million pounds. It, it, it's, yes, it's but you've, you've got rid of your spine and you're bringing in one player for three mil, which is big money. Well, leaves you very sparse then. We didn't have the extra resources because we weren't making that much money to fill the gap with the quality that, that, that we needed. Well, he hangs, his hat, he hangs his hat on three big signings, really, doesn't he? Yep, yeah, well, he does. He, well I, d- I don't stuff. know about that, guys, right. because he... he he continues to buy. He continues to buy. And you might have forgotten that he, he bought all these players. But, you know, after the players we've discussed, he, he sells Houghton then and Barry Venison the, the, the summer after we win the we win the um, Cup. the FA Cup. Dean Saunders goes in the September to Villa, who almost win the league that year. He actually and scores. He a brace against us the first time he plays. Yeah, and scores the winner at Anfield as well. And... Within that time, he, we've talked about Wright and Saunders. That's you know that's five five million pounds, which is massive. Then Mark Walters, Michael Thomas comes in for a million and a half, and then we have David James is bought for a million. Um, well, between, between those five signings, that's ten million in old money. Yeah, David James is bought for a million, and then the worst of them all, Paul Stewart for two point three million. And then the other two big ones there are Clough for 
two and a half million and Neil Ruddock for two and a half million. Does he sign uh, Clough? I thought Kenny signed Clough. Don't, no. don't forget, don't forget Calamity James. Well, yep. Yeah, James is there. A million pounds for David James, and then Julian Dix is, is swapped for David Burrows and Mike Marsh. Julian Dix, man. You know, so there you know, is. I, I, I was hoping he wouldn't he wouldn't make an appearance on this one, but there he is. Yeah, well, I think you know there was many attacks. I mean, that is madness in anyone's language, in anyone's money, swapping Julian Dix for David Burrows and Mike Marsh, both of whom are good quality players. That's that's your left side and your right side covered for a fucking fat lout, essentially. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 not it's not great reading. And we can throw, you know, Torben Picnic in there too, if anybody remembers Torben yeah, Picnic. I do. I do. Yeah. Um I mean did he, did he was that also the Glenn Heisen era? Uh he got rid of Glenn Heisen. So Kenny signed him, did he? Yeah, I got rid of Estevan Cosma. So that's you know that's good business, yeah. but but as far as as far as anything else con- concerned, it, it doesn't make great reading, and you know that feeds into the feeds into the following season. Um, and but you know Dave, again, there's there's also at this time, and you and, and you know you're chronologically you're 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 sweeping over it. It's the the interview with the sun happens, yeah, and that's a, and, that, yeah. and that has a deeply profound effect in the city of Liverpool, and I think that's the first thing we need to say. You know, international fans can can sympathise and so on with, with with Hillsborough, but it has a really profound effect. And you know, we, the three of us come from Northern Ireland, we know how things can deeply affect communities, um, and and this was a, a real scar on the on the community in Liverpool. And something, you know, I, I whilst I, I say Graham Soonis should be forgiven and so on, I totally understand and respect that the people of Liverpool don't uh, and cannot find it in their heart to, to forgive for, for, for speaking to that newspaper. But maybe in, in a, a slight defence, I, I think, and, and it, uh, certainly some of the, the guys I spoke to about it and, and uh, say the guys I was talking about earlier would say that, you know, he was kind of duped by them. And they also didn't publish it at the time. They, there was also like the son kind of were a bit mischief about it and held held the interview back of him recovering from heart surgery, you know, until the anniversary of Hillsborough. It was it was it was a horrible, it was distasteful. It was you know, it was a massive, massive error. But that was bubbling in the background in the era and the time that you're talking about now, Dave, and I think it needs to be added into it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was that was even before the FA Cup final, because I think the, the interview was about his no, he, he he was he was in he was in the hospital. Um, he 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 only attended our FA Cup final, I believe, as as a spectator against his doctor's orders. He was orders. advised not to. Yeah. Yeah. And and he went anyway, but he wasn't managing us because he was recovering and convalescing. But that all happened during that time, and there was a I can remember the feeling about. It. And there was no social media or anything about that, but you got the feeling of it. Uh, it was very much in the football press that that the city of Liverpool were very very disturbed by what they saw. Yeah, and it's it's it seems to be you know the the recurring theme throughout Suness's managerial career when when he does something wrong, it goes really 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 badly for him. Um, you know, you're the jury's out on whether he was duped or not. I I don't know. I don't know enough about that. Um, but yes, certainly the the release date. If du- duped or duped or not, um, I think. 
the, the greater community in Liverpool find it deeply offensive. And I, and I understand. I totally get that yes, it's not something absolutely. that they can build a bridge and, and get over. Absolutely. And he has since, you know, come out yeah, and, and stated that, yeah, he stated that he apologizes for the mistake, mistake. And he's even stated that he should have resigned there and then. Um, and I'm, I'm sure that he does deeply regret it, but that, that made it, that made it really difficult for him because as the seasons progressed to sixth place finish, to eighth place finish, to, to Paul Stewart's, to Nigel Clough's, to False Dawn's, the goodwill that carried so many Liverpool managers before that yeah. had gone. 100%. It evaporated in one interview, Dave, and that, yeah. and, and, that and that's basically it. And I, I don't, I honestly, I, I can put my hand in my heart and, and say I don't think even the results had been favourable that he would have been given much more time than he was. To be fair, because it was uh, Hillsborough was still very, it's still raw in 2020. It was Imagine like the it. brave, the brave kind of my own man, his own man, crusader image. Of, Sort of being replaced by a bit of a mercenary image by that stage, and that's sort of a problem. When he given that interview to the Sun, when he sort of done all those things that you could, you know, you could you could look at it either way. Either you could say they were good things, or you could say they were, you know, they were pushing the boundaries and and they weren't necessarily good things. But by that stage, as you said, the goodwill had 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 evaporated because. Was maybe one. It was really a step too far. And yeah, the, the the appointment was designed to um, provide a continuation of the boot room and the Liverpool way, and in that one act, that was severed by you know someone that the club held dearly to them and the fans held dearly to them, and it was a Judas moment, like. There's no, there's no real getting away from that. At that time, it was, it was a Judas moment. Yeah, and you know, as I said, the the, the performances didn't improve, and if anything, it, it became worse and it became dire. And and all the while, in the background, um, which you know just rubbed salt into the wound and and increased everyone's frustration and anger was. Manchester United winning and winning and becoming the media darlings and, you know, having Cantona splashed all over the pages and um, that heralded in a really dark time for Liverpool. No, no, absolutely. And, you know... Well, it was the start of these 30 years, which, Jesus, as we said today, continue. It was <laughs> Even though we're 25 points it was, it was very much a case of Football began new, and we missed the boat. Or we got on the boat too early and then got back off it again, as it were. Yeah, almost. It's like we, we, we. It's. I don't mean that. I don't mean necessarily the game changed right then because it took a while for the for the nutrition to come in and, and yada yada. But what I mean is, the money came into the game at that point. The Premier League started to happen. You know that everything changed. We had won. We had won the football from sixties to the to, to ninety. We won that. We we won that. But it was suddenly it was a new game, and we forgot we forgot to start. It was almost like we missed that boat, and we spent the next thirty years trying to catch up. 
we picked the wrong, sort of the wrong man at the wrong time, almost like he was too far ahead. I mean, you could maybe say he was maybe the Villas Boas of his time or whatever, like, you know, whatever, just, just trying to do too much. <laughs> the Zemic Zemin. Yeah, and, and, just, and regardless, regardless of what you think, it wasn't continuity because continuity would have meant that he was following his coaching role in Liverpool and following that way. No, he went to absolutely a completely new culture and learned it and then came back. So and com- I was completely a, bought into it, Dave. I oh, think absolutely. The important uh, he, thing. Because he saw himself improve as a player. He saw his health improve. He, he felt better in himself. I've seen him talk, talk about this several times. And, and what he wanted to do, and and I do believe that his intentions were. I don't believe there was any malintention whatsoever in what he was doing. He believed that he could make these guys better by by educating them better to to be better professionals. Yeah, I think that the thing with, and I think it's it's very obvious when you see Sunes on on the TV and, and you hear him speak and you hear how opinionated he is. That you know he was going to drag people kicking and screaming to this new world rather than. Have force them to be better. Yeah, rather than have the. It's the I old suppose, authoritarian world yeah, that we used to have, you know. It is, it is, and it's 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 born out today when we're saying, you know, people stay at home, so everybody goes out and has a picnic. It's it's exactly the same thing where you tell people they must do something, and immediately they dig their heels in. Um, particularly strong personalities in that dressing room, dressing room who had who had won over and over and over again doing what they had always done and someone was coming in and saying... But all of a sudden they were doing what they're doing as millionaires and not just as guys who, who retired and opened pubs. They they were going to be in a few years, but at that time they weren't. They were still on the same... The same there was the odd, there was the odd one starting to starting to gain wealth. There's no yeah. two ways about it. And, you know, with marketing and whatnot, the top guys were 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 making good money, Neil, and, and it well into the millionaire brackets by that stage. Not nothing like we see today, but obviously it was it was nothing, there. Nothing. Yeah, but the point there is that they hadn't quite made that step. Part of football culture, I very much so for those for those lads coming through. You know, was the was the was the lad culture like? Was was the the boozing? Was the fun? Was was the women? Was the you know going on away to, you know away trips with with your mates with um with the team? And of course, you know football it was, was one big jolly with a few football games thrown in. Is what you're saying? <laughs> no, it's it. Well, look, you need to look at it. It was, it was the it was the warm weather training camp with with fucking gas going in the dentist's chair. Yeah, that's what it was. That's that's fucking six years later or four years later. Well, even. yeah, that's what, 90, 95, 96? Euro 96. It's a month before Euro 96. Um, so that's later. And that England team gets to the fucking semi-finals. Yeah. So you, you can imagine how difficult it must have been for Sunez. Have you seen the footage in the club? Have you seen that documentary where they show you the footage in the club of them actually doing the real dentist chair? No, I haven't seen it's, that. They're fucking absolutely bollocks. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a month before the tournament, like, or a couple of weeks even. They're absolutely shit-faced. Yeah, I remember that being, everybody was absolutely outraged by it. It was, it was, but, but it doesn't that, that just goes to show how difficult it must have been for Sunes with his sort of personality to tell these guys that had behaved like this. And that was their culture, but not only that, that it it 
they won doing that. You know, they 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 weren't a team that they weren't a team that weren't successful. And someone came in and said, you know, to be successful, this is what we're going to have to change. Soon as came into a team that had won league titles and FA Cups and League Cups and said, here's what we're going to have to do to get better. And they all went, what the fuck are you talking about? I think Sunez saw the future, but he didn't realise quite how far in the future it still was for Britain. Because it, it wasn't until Wenger came in that any of that really began to change at all. And even then... I mean, it, it, it harks back to the podcast we did last week about, you, you know, we were out of Europe by then and the European game was moving forward and we were stuck in reverse. George Graham's Arsenal team that beat us and then goes on to do pretty well in the in the early 90s. I mean, half of them are fucking recovering cocaine and alcoholics. You know, cocaine and alcoholics. Tony Adams, fucking Mersh. Uh, there was somebody Both else. Both of whom do jail, by the way. <laughs> do jail time. You look at you look at Roy Adams' centre-back. You look at Ruddock, Neil Ruddock. He was a, an alcoholic as well, recovering alcoholic. I mean... It's rife with them. That era is is absolutely rife with them. Gaza was a mad ass. Have you heard Mercy's fucking story about when Gaza came to meet him when they both played for Middlesbrough? Yeah, I heard that. That was um, nuts. Was that Carragher's podcast? Was it? I didn't hear it on that. I heard it on something else. It's quite a while ago, like a, a year ago, maybe. I read it on something, and it's 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 Mercy's account of like Gaza like. Mercer's coming up from London and Gaza comes down from Borough, Middlesbrough to meet him like halfway. And like it's, he meets him at like midday and he's already absolutely bollocksed. And then, <laughs> and then they go back on the train and they, they drink a few bottles of red wine on the way back and all. And he's going to sign that day. Like, <laughs> and he goes, in, and it's just nuts. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. And, and to, to try and, to try and, do that when nobody else is doing it, and you've you've already won everything doing what you're doing. Uh, it, it, he but was. See, so, here's the difference, Dave. Soon as backed himself to be able to do that. That's yeah. the, that's the measure of the man. In his mind, he backed himself to conquer that. But it yeah, went, it went quite badly wrong for him, didn't it? And, and yeah, it was how he went about doing it was the real issue here. Um, you know, he wasn't able to inspire people to to make these changes it was as we've said very much an authoritarian dictatorship almost and what that did was was basically break conflict throughout the playing staff and and that's why why you know half the team ended up being being recycled and position um, came entrenched you know basically there was no give was there no no sign that they could come together and work things out it was either as we sort of said, like I, you buy into this or you don't. If you don't, you're out the door, and I'll replace you. And the turnover turnover of players was 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 high. And yeah. The quality was was pretty much ever diminishing. Yeah. And what but you that, found but, there but, was but, the, the that, key that wasn't just soon as that continued. That continued. That rolled. That rolled for nearly a decade. Well, I mean, as you said, we got lucky. Uh, well, not not lucky. We. we uh, in a way, we got lucky because we had the quality already within our ranks. But Sunez gave the head to McManaman, gave the head to Fowler, and, and they go on to spearhead what is the what is our you know 
the best part of our 90s incarnation, those two in, in, in that era. And Jimmy Redknapp as well comes into his own in, in that era. And But for his injuries, he could have been, he really could have been, could have been some player. Um, Nigel Clough was a good player too, to be fair. But never for us. <laughs> Actually, he showed no. flashes here and there. He, like, he has his he has his moment. He has his moment in, in a game we didn't win. Um, basically, Blackburn you know, he, he scores the two and the three all with United. Um, when we come back from three 0 down, one of one of those one of the great games. But you know the That's the so- bottom line here, guys, is that that there were there were those moments were few and, and far between, and when we're we're heralding. A three-all draw with Man United is one of one of the great highlights of the Sunes era. You know that kind of throws it into to stark realization. Sunes's win ratio with Liverpool manager is not 0.1 percent better than Roy Hodgson. So, if you want to look at it that way, it's the equivalent of having Hodgson for three years. Yeah, I mean, we there's no there's absolutely no doubt that the fact that he was a, a playing legend. Meant that we stuck with him for much longer than we we ordinarily would have, uh, and that continuity had been had been working up until that point, and and why why break that chain? Even though, as I say, in hindsight, they didn't realise at the time the chain had already been broken of the boot room. Well, with the with the appointment of Evans, continuity still seemed to be the the you know the the avenue of choice for for the for the ownership and. Um, one thing that it didn't last very long, did it? It nearly <laughs> fucking Chad Hulia was it, drafted in. It, near, it, it nearly did work. Royal team is unlucky on a couple a couple of seasons, and you know, in another era when you're not coming up against the the juggernaut that United was at that time, and and then you get the you know Blackburn injection of cash, and Newcastle become this bizarre fucking attacking. Force. Newcastle, fuck, they were awesome. Yeah, exactly. So you know, I think one thing you can say for Sunes is he did, he did. If we want to finish on a positive note, he did lay the foundations for that side with the likes of Rob Jones, you know, Bjornaby, um that he signed, you know, Jamie Redknapp, Fowler, McManaman getting their debuts. Michael Thomas played in that side as well. So you know the. The, the foundations were laid for Evans to come in that another manager may not have done. As soon as his legacy wasn't that bad, but it, it, his actual time in charge was horrific. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and the fact that I think it's exacerbated by the fact that, you know, it was the start of these 30 years. Um, and, and if you want to go back to the starting point of that, but it I, always starts I, with Sunnis, and he I, can't I, escape that ever. No, that is absolutely true, and you might say that this is a little bit harsh, and who knows because it's you can't prove it either way. But having Sunez at that time laid the foundations for it to be thirty years. Had it not been so catastrophically bad, it may not have been thirty years. We may not have been coming back from such a position of weakness. Well, I think I think you have to throw a bit of luck on the United side in there because what they turned out of their academy in '92, you, you, you know, like that saved them masses and masses of money in the transfer market. Um, but we are not, if, if and you, we're no we're nowhere near churning out the same. We're it, having to spend to find the same levels. Sort of, but if you think about it, we've already mentioned McManaman, 
Fowler. You've got Mike Marshall. You've got Rob Jones. That's four of them. You know, Jimmy Redknapp. Jimmy Redknapp. We we could have. We just didn't. They did. It came together for them. But we had the talent there. We had the young players. We just didn't get it right. So yeah. So on that note, guys, um, I think we'll gladly wrap up the soonest years. Um, Dave, have you any any closing comments on our now well? Chief pundit, I suppose. Still love him, like yeah, yeah. I, 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 for all for all the negative we talked about, still, I, I remember the player, Dave, and the player will always, always top the manager, the pundit, and I love him as a pundit as well. But for me, I I, I was fortunate enough. I was one of the lucky ones to, to actually experience a lot of him. So I got to see him live on two or three occasions. Absolutely magnificent footballer, magnificent footballer, regardless of all the negative that we've spoken about. Now, if you don't know an awful lot about him, go, go and research. You'll, you'll be amazed. Some of the, some of the games he played for Scotland as well. Just, oh, the, the guy's just a different class. Yeah. And Chief, you know, Sunes always did and always will wear his heart in his sleeve. And you know, that was epitomized no more than, than his, his flag planting when he was manager of Galatasaray. And, you know, he's, He's football through and through, and one of you know the great servants during that amazing era that the club had. Hundred percent. I mean, you know, you know, from a completely different world to the one that exists today, um, and he's very much a man of of that of that time, and you know, he did he he, he gave his absolute fullest. To everything that he did, and you're right, you say he is football through and through, and he's managed all over Europe, and he's played. Obviously, he's won European cups. He's played in the in the top leagues. He's travelled to foreign leagues as a player and as a manager, and he's he's won titles. Sorry, as I alluded to earlier, the reason why I like him so much as a pundit is because he brings experience from 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 all levels, from both levels of the game, both as a player as a manager, but also from experience of, of playing all around the world. And he's somebody that that, that does that adapts his opinions um, to the different eras that he that he's um, commenting on. So you find that so often that with ex players and um, that you know they say, oh that's never a yellow card, that's never a foul or whatever. And they're talking about what it was like when they played ten years ago. It's yes. a good point, Chief. He's done really well not to become outdated. Exactly, and he's you know he, he's a footballer. When Graham Sooners calls someone a proper footballer. They're a proper footballer. Mm-hmm. And you listen to him; he, he has gravitas, you know. And you see the other pundits look up to him as well. Basically, you know, you, you're not going to fuck with Graham Sooners, but but not in a Roy King kind of way. He's got a lot more to him than, than someone like he. Yeah, it's respect for what he's achieved and how he's achieved it. Dave, can I can I just make one point in closing? Um, mm-hmm. it, it's the greatest regret that I have when I see, you know, Jockey Hansen and, and Kenny and Bruce Graveler, Rushy. You see them all sitting in the director's box. It's my lasting regret that he's not because he he belongs there. He belongs, and I understand totally why he's not there, and it breaks my heart that he's not there because he belongs in that company. Yeah. I, I- I can kind of see where you're coming from, but at the end of the day, that, that courage of conviction is, is what makes Liverpool Football Club the club that it is. And, you know, the, 
the deep-rooted belief that they have in what is right that is never compromised um, is what makes the club what it is. So I understand where you're coming from, but ultimately, you know, he was never going to come back from that, unfortunately. No, um, Dave, it is what it, look, he, he's spoken about it recently. Um, I think it was an RTE, one of his RTE uh, punditry things, and, and and he just said, you know, it hurts him, but that ship sailed. He totally understands. He respects it now, and it's a measure of the man as well. But as I say, it's just off that era. You know, whenever you consider five league titles, three European, you're talking about one of our greats who who really doesn't look welcome at Anfield, and it, it's just, it's just, it's just heartbreaking. Yeah, and that is what we were left with from the Sudanese years. It was heartbreak. So, Dave, thanks. It. It, it could it could have gone so much so much better. It could have been beautiful. Yeah, but it really couldn't have gone much worse than it did. Yeah. Um. So, guys, thanks for joining me, Dave. Good luck. Enjoy the rest of your solitary confinement. No problem. I, I, I'm just. I'm, I'll go away now and wait for Mr. Bolsonaro's latest fucking broadcast of lunacy. Uh, he's yes. telling us all to get back to work. So good. I'm sure. Be... I, I I need all the luck I can get, Dave. Yes, he'll be absolutely about the city tomorrow, no doubt, showing his physical prowess. Um, oh, well, he's an athlete, that man, Dave. He's yes. an athlete. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. And Chief, thanks for your company. Enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah, nice to chat. Like something different for a, for a change. So it's good. Um, did a was able to watch a couple of videos and remind myself a little bit of that era. Like so, it was good crack. Nice to chat there and nice to break maybe, up. Maybe, the maybe we should do a wee bit on Kenny next. Well, I was thinking we might do Evans next, just because. Why not? Ooh. Like I think that's a that's an era that's often glossed over, and I think he he doesn't get the credit he deserves. Really, Absolutely. I I agree. Yeah, so maybe next time we'll bring you the Roy Evans here and we'll, we'll take a broad look at it. Um, so thanks for joining us, if you have. Until next time, up the still no champions football. elect do Reds. <laughs> Don't do that, there's no football. Up the quarantine Reds. Up the quarantine, up the quarantine Reds. <laughs>